Thank you to everyone who supports this show and all of the shows in the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. If you are not already, you can become a Major Spoilers member by signing up at patreon.com slash majorspoilers. The Major Spoilers Podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Ashley. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, Hub City, April 19th, 2020, 9.34 p.m., Victor Sage has exactly six issues to live in this particular collection as we flash back to the 80s and answer the question. Plus, changes at the CW, Red Sonja gets dethroned, the Avengers get old, and more stuff. The greatest podcast in the world puts it all together to give you what you didn't know you needed, answer the questions you forgot you wanted to know, and borrow 15 bucks and some cheese. It's still payday. But we won't reveal your evil mind because we're on the air. Welcome to issue 877 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and checking us out this week. We are here with you week after week after week because we know that you love comics. We do too, and we love you. Bye, everybody. And we'll you see you next week. love me, and we're <laughs> a great big happy family. And uh, yeah, glad glad everybody's here. Glad everybody is well. Uh, let us Daddy do. Steven. Let yeah, us do it. some news. Cousin Rodrigo, who always kind of wanted to be a sailor. The Arrowverse has been delayed until 2021. Uh, there is Back the Comeback, a new uh, campaign from Diamond Comics. And also, breaking news, Batwoman uh, may not be Batwoman anymore. Let's spin that Wheel of Destiny. Let's see where we land. Round and round and round it goes and where it stops right there. Ruby Rose exits the Batwoman series ahead of season two. Now, this is a really surprising move. This is just breaking news about an hour or so before we recorded this week's episode. Uh, she says, quote, I think she went on Twitter, uh, but I have, she says, quote, I have made a very difficult decision to not return to Batwoman next season. Uh, this was not a decision I made lightly, as I have utmost respect for the cast, the crew, everyone involved with the show in both Vancouver and in Los Angeles. I'm beyond appreciative to Greg Berlanti, Sarah Schechter, uh, Caroline Dries, for not only giving me this incredible opportunity, but for welcoming me into the DC universe they have so beautifully created. Thank you uh, to Peter Roth and Mark Pedowitz and the team at the Warner Brothers and the CW who put so much into the show and always believed in me. Thank you to everyone who made season one a success. I'm truly grateful, unquote. Uh, CW, um, you know, this is something that the this isn't a surprise. This isn't some you know, trick thing that uh, is going to change tomorrow. Maybe it will, but um, but oh. CW has basically said, hey, we're going to go ahead and move ahead and create a second season with a new there series lead. Uh, I didn't watch too much of, of Batwoman. I'll be honest. I watched a couple of episodes, and then I watched the uh, the two the crossover episodes with the, uh, the rest of the Arrowverse stuff. Right. Uh, but, uh, Matthew, I think you were the one that was watching Batwoman the most out of all of us. Uh, yeah, I watch it regularly. Did, did I you, am is this a, is it a good episode? Up. I mean, it's the number three show on the CW network. I like it. I mean, the thing about a CW DC Berlanti show is there is kind of a formula to it by now. So we have our lead character. She has her thing. And then she has like a nerdy sidekick. And then she has a cool sidekick to balance out the nerdy sidekick. Um, the thing that really sells it for me in season one anyway, is how hard they're leaning into Alice. Uh, because Alice is a major player throughout the season and not, not, not like big, bad, overarching villain, 
but as something, you know, as a part of the ensemble cast. So she's a villain some of the time. She's never entirely sane. It's neat. The actress who plays Alice looks nothing like Ruby Rose, even though they're twin siblings. And I'm like, mm. okay, I can dig it. I can go with that. Because nobody ever said they were identical twins. Sure. They could be fraternal twins who are the same gender. But Fair. Um, I feel like the big disappointment for me is when, if you go back and listen to the flashback episode uh, where Stephen and I covered the first appearance of Ruby Rose as Batwoman mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. during the crossover, she was doing a thing and she was trying really hard to do a thing. And I feel like she finally got past that I'm a female Christian Bale into a much more interesting character. And they literally just got the wig right. I'm I'm not kidding you. They have been toying with the cowl and wig combination throughout season one. To be fair, the wig is canon. (laughs) Right. And the cowl-wig combo is hard to do. The way it's drawn doesn't fit on a human head. And it certainly wouldn't fit on Ruby Rose's head because she has delicate little gorgeous features like a porcelain doll. You just want to pick her up and put her on a shelf and kiss her on the forehead. But yeah, I'm... I mean, I'm disappointed. I'm not horribly crushed. And I feel like there is a chance that the show could survive. In fact, I think there's a chance the show will survive based on the rest of the cast. Because the best part of the show is uh, her half-sister, Mary, who is a weird influencer girl who's kind of like a Kardashian party girl, but also a super genius who secretly runs a hospital in the underground parts of Gotham City, which is totally Chicago. And that character is gold. I would just watch an hour of Mary having adventures every week. So, I mean, they have a real ensemble cast in ways that I don't think that either Arrow or The Flash did in their first season. So I feel like if Grant Gustin had quit at the end of season one, it could have meant the end of The Flash. I don't think that her quitting means the end of The Batwoman. Uh, the network said in a statement, uh, the studio network are firmly committed to Batwoman's second season and long-term future, and we, along with the show's talented creative team, look forward to sharing its new direction, including the casting of a new lead actress and member of the LGBTQ community in the mm-hmm. coming months, unquote, from that. Uh, Ashley, what are your reactions to to this news? Is this one of those things where, you know, someone says, I'm going to walk off if I don't get any money, and uh, the network was like, yeah, go ahead, and... That's what happened, or is this one of those, something else is up? I mean, we know that she has had, that Ruby Rose has had some uh, medical procedures done um, because of some herniated discs. I don't know if it was brought mm-hmm. on by this show or from another show, uh, but, I mean, there, there's nothing in her in her statement that says that uh, she left because of health issues. I mean, the first thing I want to say is hashtag Ashley for Batwoman. I could, get, I, would, I could get behind I that. Love, I would love this part. <laughs> I would love to take on the better, responsibility. Better call your agent today and say, "Hey, what are you doing oh, to get me in, uh, into the, the audition?" The email's done. Been sent. But, <laughs> you'd have to move back. You'd have to move back to Canada. And, I, I mean, could be a Vancouver so local hire. You know, Rappaport Bald sorry casting. If you're listening, uh, Vancouver local hire, very castable. <laughs> Great at stage combat. Um, this to me, though. Um, you know, the Arrowverse, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, everything like that, they shore up people in multiple contracts. Uh, this, to me, smacks of uh, someone breaking their contract, which is not unheard of, not impossible. Um, and I I think given the fact that the CW doesn't uh, have a more PR version 
you know, yeah. we're so happy. We loved working with Ruby. We wish her all the best during these trying times. Da, 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 da. Uh, it says that I don't know how much uh, headway they had on this tweet. I see. I see. I, I'm, so, I'm, yeah, I don't know. Hmm. But it's certainly strange, right? So certainly she's strange. Yeah. She's been she's done some movies, some big movie stuff, right? She was she in was, a she was in a John Wick, right? She was in the Meg. She was in Dumb Egg. Dumb okay. Meg. So I'm wondering because here's something that's she was that's in happened. Pitch Perfect three, I think. Here, here's something that happened. Um, the Arrowverse, all of their shows are delayed because of the uh, coronavirus. The they had to uh, number one stop a lot of their shows. Uh, and so most of their shows ended with episodes 19 instead of episodes 22 or 23. Those shows, including Batwoman, are not scheduled to return to the airwaves until January of 2021. Right. My indications that I was listening to, I was listening to an interview with Chris Wood, who plays Monel uh, mm-hmm. on on Supergirl, also married to Melissa Benoist. And um, that production isn't going to start until maybe September for that show, but my understanding was there were a bunch of shows that were going to possibly get started back up again in July. So I don't know if maybe she had, you know, the summer month off or whatever, that, that time off between seasons, she was going to go do another gig, and now that throws a wrench into her being able to do other I work. I mean, no one's doing any work right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's really wa- weird to just suddenly walk off the set, uh, or, you know, walk off the job uh, or quit. And, you know, without really a lot of notice, as I mentioned, this was the uh, number. It was a tie for third behind the flash in the final season of the arrow in the CW rankings. So the first season, 1.7 million viewers in live plus seven, which, you know, considering it's number one, the CW and number two, uh, that a 0.5 rating would have had the show canceled before the first commercial break, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Um, I think the show's kind of somewhat popular. Uh, so it's, well, you know, they're committed to doing it. The other thing that's really weird, and, and I want to get Rodrigo a chance to, to pop in here. The other thing that's really weird is just last week they announced the uh, the premiere of the Lois, Superman and Lois Lane TV series. Mm-hmm. And they said that there was going to be a crossover with the Batwoman series. That was going to be their big crossover. There still could be. And there still could be. And there was a lot of people just going, wow, how are we going to make that work kind of stuff going around. So, Rodrigo, I'm just curious are your reaction to all this. You've been kind of quiet. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wasn't watching Batwoman. Uh, not that I wasn't interested. There's just a, a lot of stuff to do mm-hmm. nowadays. And uh, my schedule has not changed very much uh, with in these trying times. Uh, so, <laughs> well, you um, are the real. I, I, I get the exact same amount of time that I've always had to watch TV, play video games, read comics, do podcasts. So, Batwoman is something that I hadn't gotten into. But it is very weird that in these trying times, somebody would walk out of, you know, a, a show that had been renewed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, uh, like you mentioned, she's had. Uh, projects that are probably possibly considered bigger deals because um you know usually movie better greater than network television right in Mm -hmm. in most cases um she was also in orange is the new black i believe yep so she has that clout i'm gonna guess that we're going to see her either attached to a movie project or attached to a prestige television project mm-hmm. here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of stuff that's in the hopper for 
HBO for um, uh, a lot of other, especially now that HBO is launching its its service, I think they're going to try and ramp up programming. So I think they're counting on this whole thing with the virus and whatnot uh, dying down a little bit and getting back into a production schedule. And I'm pretty sure that we're going to see her attached to something. And that's why she <laughs> kind of, she, uh, escape artist, uh, she's Scott freed out of her contract here. Yeah. It's tinfoil hat time. Yeah. Are you ready? Are you wearing your tinfoil hats? Oh, hang on. Uh, yeah. Get okay. the real right. tin because the aluminum actually amplifies the mind control. Right? Yeah. Tinfoil hat time. Ruby Rose is going to be the next MCU star. I don't know who she's playing. But mm. she's going to be on the MC, maybe Spider-Woman. She's going to be Spider-Woman in the MCU. That's what it's going to be. Mm. All right, yeah. It's a tinfoil hat. Yeah, def definitely definitely falls into that uh, low probability uh, tinfoil hat moment there, Matthew. Hey, uh, I'm just here's, here's the thing that is also uh, something I would suggest people don't do. Don't read the comments section on any of the websites that are running this story. Oh, because dear God. People, my my goodness, the amount, of, horrible to her. the amount of fake comic book boys that are responding to these stories. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm going to use that fake comic book boy Heck uh, yeah. uh, who, who don't get the background or the history of this character, especially since, uh, what is it? The last 15 years or so. Yeah. Uh, they probably need to go pick up some, some more modern comics. So, this but stay out of the, stay out of the comment of the character. Yeah. Stay yeah, out of the comment I'm section. Not, can't do it. That's, that's good advice just as a whole. I read a comment today that just it nearly broke me. And the thing that the thing that was really frustrating what was, was the it comic because maybe even, I can fine tune it and it wasn't even a good comic. I'm like, you know, oh, I didn't the... like this comic, but the guy slamming it and saying that it's the end of the world as we know it made me want to defend a comic that I didn't even like. I'm just like, how how do how have we come here? That's what that's the world we live in. But hey, you know where you I can go it. hang out with a like bunch it. of really cool people? You can head Where's over it? to the major spoilers Discord server. So many Heck different yeah. channels to choose from. You can do some general chat. You can uh, talk about comic books or video games or tabletop games or or movies or TVs or toys, whatever it is that interests you. Can you can talk talk about uh, the the podcast that we do here at the Major Spoilers Podcast Network? Uh, you can uh, find the link to the Discord server in the show notes. Everybody over there is super cool and super chill. And uh, very friendly and welcoming. I mean, if you go into the general chat and you say hello and it's and the bot says, hey, here's a first time person, you'll get a lot of uh, wave gifts coming your way. And you can talk about these stories and a whole lot more. Uh, the other thing that you can do is you can link your Patreon account to the Discord server. That gives you access to a bunch of secret channels, you know, the secret channels. Uh, that we have, like Critical Hit and the VIP live chats and the Dueling Review show that Matthew and I do live Thursday night, 8 o'clock p.m. for our Discord patrons. You can find out more about that over there at patreon.com slash major spoilers. All right, now that we're done with the news, how about we get into some reviews? Hey, everybody, new comic books are back this week. Oh, my goodness, uh, everybody, we haven't had comic books for months. That's weird. <laughs> How, how have we been able to, at Major Spoilers, been able to review so many new comic books if there haven't been comic books for months? Huh, that was really weird. Anyway. Can you, can you hear the look on my face right now? Anyway, how about we, how about we look at last week's Avengers of the Wasteland number four? One of them, their digital firsts, Matthew. Uh, no, I'm sorry, yeah. digital exclusives, Matthew. Yes. Because uh, Marvel is like, hey. I know the 20th is when uh, new comic books are supposed to be back in the stores. We're going to wait till the 27th. Oh, by the way, here's a bunch of exclusive comics 
that were putting yeah. over there at the Comixologies. Yep, much like the Ant-Man that we covered on Dueling Review and a couple of other books, including one that I did for the site this week. Uh, Avengers of the Wasteland is right now digital only, written by Ed Brisson, art by Jonas Scharf. Here's what it is. I'm going to elevator pitch it for you. This is Old Man Logan except Avengers. Now, mm -hmm. you're going to bring that, you're going to take that with it, and you're going to have a preconception of what you're going to get from this book. So the first page is Hydra. Being like, oh, this is Hydra territory. We are evil and we are fascist. Cut off one head and two more grow in its place. And Baron Strucker is all evil. And then Dr. Doom leaps in and blows his head off. Murders him dead and says, Hydra dies here today. And I have never in my life wanted to cheer more for Dr. Doom. But it really does tell you exactly what you're getting into. This is a story set like three decades in the future. The Avengers are all dead. Uh, they've all been killed terribly, but Thor's hammer has fallen into the hands of a new bearer, Danielle Cage, the daughter of Luke and Jessica uh, Jones Cage. And of course, Bruce Banner has a son who is now a Hulk. And uh, there's a dude who has stolen Ant-Man's technology, which, you know, it's a way to get powers. It's a I want to say at this point, it's a recognized way to get powers. A lot of people steal Ant-Man's tech, and there's a new Captain America, and they're driving across the wastelands in a car to Osborne City, where they have to face the Green Goblin, who is an elderly old creepy Green Goblin, and has a bunch of supervillains in his control. And it's, boy, it's old man Logan. Um, uh, there's a guy who's not Sabretooth, who I believe is actually Wild Child, who is like, ah, I've always wondered if the Hulk's eyes are indestructible too. Spoiler, we find out. So if you really wanted to see the Hulk get his eyes uh, slashed out on panel, this may be the comic for you. I feel like I really enjoy the art. Uh, the art is solid, especially subtle moments like the fact that uh, the new Ant-Man helmet looks remarkably like a new school uh, Star Wars Stormtrooper helmet which is interesting because he's almost a, a you know, a disposable character here. Mm -hmm. um, we do see a bunch of villains get eaten by uh, insects and killed to death. There's a lot of dead people in this issue. A lot of maiming uh, Viv vision rips the brain out of a classic Marvel villain with her bare hands. So that's something as well. I feel like there's a lot of Mad Max Fury road in here. I feel like there's a lot of different elements and the elements are handled respectfully, but for me, the brutality of the story once again kind of overtakes whatever it is they're trying to do. This is part four of five. So next issue, obviously, you know, we're going to have something wrap this all up, whether it's a big damn heroes moment or something where everything is terrible and everybody dies. I'm not sure. I'm kind of expecting none of these characters to survive but it to be one of those you know distant future and a new wave of heroes began thing i will say this artistically it's interesting story-wise it's a little bit familiar but if you like me are really tired of your comics filled with murder death death murder murder death death and sports then maybe not for you i personally i'm going to give this two out of five slices of meatloaf it's a it's an okay book probably a little bit below average for me i like parts of it the whole just kind of leaves me a little bit cold so 
make of that what you will. All right, cool. Thank you for that. Uh, coming out this week from Dynamite Entertainment, it is Red Sonja number 15. Uh, this is one that continues the Red Sonja as Queen or Queen Sonja storyline, except this time we find out that uh, Queen Sonja is no longer Queen Sonja. Uh, she is now just simply Sonja the Red, and she has abdicated her throne because otherwise she wouldn't be able to take care of her kingdom with the assault from uh, the bad guy. And instead, she decides to go and work for the bad guy, who is just this... Uh, let's just say he's a bad person. Okay? Who really does everything he can to make the kingdom that he has taken over go from a kingdom that is run from basically three sides, uh, you know, the judicial, the legislative, and the presidential, and basically cuts out the other two so that he is the only one there. And of course, nobody likes him, but he has decided that if he wants to give Red Sonia any aid, that he needs to be, that she needs to be nice to him and needs to become her minister of war. And then of course, people want to come in and kill him. So she now she has to save the guy. So it is very interesting. You know, people all the time get really bent out of shape. Anytime you try to say that, uh, that, uh, wow, this is a very political issue when you read between the lines. And people get really bent out of shape when they say, oh, comics aren't political. Yeah, comics are political. They have been forever since the first comic strip forever. They're political. Get used to it. If you're just now discovering that comics are political, it's probably because you haven't been really reading comics. But there is a lot of political commentary being made here. And um, especially about abusive leaders and how awful they are. Mark Russell, I don't think, is really holding back here. And I really enjoyed the read, even though I think the, the funniest part has to do with the sigil that uh, Sonia decides to wear on her, I guess, uniform or whatever as the Minister of War. I think that is one of the funniest bits in this entire issue. Definitely worth picking up if you've been reading the Red Sonja uh, series from Mark Russell since its beginning. Uh, I found it very solid. I found it very entertaining. I also found it a very quick read and kind of a surprise ending for someone who has been reading all of these 15 issues. I'll give uh, Red Sonja number 15 four out of five slices of meatloaf. Nice. So something that I have not been, not been looking forward to, and I knew somebody was going to talk about it, because personally I saw the trailer for this movie and I did not care for it. But actually, I'm very interested in the animated movie Scoob. Heck yeah. I, so, I saw I saw one tweet that you tweeted out this weekend that made me giggle. Yeah. Uh, oh boy, I don't remember what that was. It had to do with uh, uh, Fred and the metric system. Oh, yeah, that's a line from the movie, which I thought was very funny. Yeah. Um. So I was very excited for Scoob. Scoob. I love Scooby-Doo's. I mean, of all the Hanna-Barberas, they are the king and queens of the Hanna-Barberas. I think with the Flintstones for me personally, I had a close second, especially after Mark Russell got his hands on it. But anyway, they was making the Scoob movie. It's gorgeous. Scooby-Doo has never looked so good. I mean, ugh. In a, in a post-Pixar world, like, we just do not deserve the beautiful, beautiful things that a computer can do. But this version of Scooby-Doo has uh, what I like to call stunt casting, where every role 
is a big name celebrity meant to trick you into buying a ticket for this movie if this is not something you might traditionally be interested in. And I'm definitely in the camp where um, uh, our Lord and Savior Matthew Lillard should be the only person to play Shaggy until uh, he <laughs> shuffles off this mortal coil and crosses the Rainbow Bridge. Also a fabulous Twitter follow if you guys are sleeping on Matthew Lillard. Truly can't recommend it enough. He destroys people in the comments. He's amazing. Um, and unfortunately, he's not Shaggy in this movie. It is Will Forte. And I also love Will Forte. However, he's just doing a Matthew Lillard doing Casey Kasem. So I was like, okay, well, we're going we're gonna to try, right? Frank Welker is there holding it down as scooby so we might be okay and then in the first four minutes of the movie they play i think it's the backstreet boys show me the meaning of being lonely and uh yeah for me that was the first flag that this was not going to be what i was hoping it was going to be what scoob is rather than a modern updating and adaptation of the Scooby gang in Venice Beach inexplicably is a backdoor pilot for a shared Hanna-Barbera universe movie. The whole gang is only together for maybe three scenes the whole time, bookending the narrative. Uh, it's mostly a Blue Falcon movie. I, I don't know who Blue Falcon Weird. is. I was not into this rendition of Blue Falcon. He's a real jerk off. <laughs> uh he has a barely redeemable moment at the end um the villain is dick dastardly who is an iconic Hanna-Barbera character but generally Wait, speaking what? has nothing to do with these characters although oh, yeah. by jason isaacs who they truly uh this is a jason inman quote went to and said hey remember what you did in peter pan in 2005 just do that okay so like he's great but you're kind of <laughs> like I mean, I get he's got a dog, but I don't know why he's fighting teenagers. If I'm not mistaken, isn't the there Blue all Falcon. sorts? Isn't there all sorts of Warner Brother cameos? Like uh, Captain Caveman is in this. Uh, yeah, Captain Caveman is in this. Yeah, he's pretty funny for the seven minutes of the movie he occupies. But yeah, so as someone who was a huge fan of when we did all the weird Hanna Barbera comics at DC and like Scooby Apocalypse, amazing. Uh, Flintstones, earth-shatteringly good. Like, I was into all of that. I I love one of my favorite childhood movies is the Jetsons Meet the Flintstones. You can fight me. <laughs> that movie's amazing. Um, I, I wasn't here for this. I just wanted it to be, you know, uh, and I would have gotten away for, with it, too, if it weren't for those meddling kids. I just wanted them to fight a haunted mansion. And uh, it's not that. And at every turn... I was a bit disappointed, but it's so beautiful. Like the movie is so gorgeous. So I feel like I'm living in this liminal space, having seen it being like, there's a handful of pretty good jokes. Uh, the voice cast is like, they're fine. They're not great. And we have a couple great staples who are really known for voicing these characters, but like, okay, they're like inoffensively fine. And it's so pretty to look at. So I had like a decent time watching it. But I would say that I have a, I would have a tough time recommending this to people unless, like me, you're just sort of all in on Hanna-Barbera because this feels like uh, a movie made by executives 
instead of a movie made to put a certain story forward. And I still think there's a way that they could have done a movie called Scoob starring Mystery Inc. that allowed us to branch off and meet other characters. You could have even had Blue Falcon showing up toward the end of the movie, maybe for a final moment as we unveil that, you know, whoever is actually Dick Dastardly is actually whoever or whoever is actually Dick Dastardly. Uh, also, Simon Cowell's in more of this movie than like Freddie and Daphne, which again, it's kind of like what I what I said on the pre-show uh, about Stargirl. I'm not quite sure who the jokes are for in this movie because I didn't know Simon Cowell was still a topical reference to me. I mean, he's still on the the, the shows. I see his name pop is, up. Is he? I I mean, I guess. He's I don't on know. America's Got Talent now, I think. Yeah, I have a, no idea. So, like, this movie is all over the place, but it's it's beautiful. And I really wanted to support this movie uh, because it's a big testing ground for VOD and what we can mm-hmm. do on VOD and what's going to be released when and what we might be moving to wanted to bump around. So like, I do encourage people if they are interested to support it from sort of that uh, larger macro version, but I didn't love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get where you're coming from. I mean, this like trolls uh, too was a big yeah. VOD, was going to be in the theaters, then moved to VOD so people yeah. could get it. I don't know how well it did. I haven't seen any numbers after this because I think it just debuted this past weekend. It um, did. So I haven't seen any early numbers on this. I suspect that it's done very well. The boys asked if we could watch it, and I just gave them the look that they knew that the uh, the dark side was about to emerge. The um, merch is cute, though. They have great merch coming out of this yeah, movie. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure they do. I, I, I kind of have a feeling from, you know, the very first trailer that I watched uh, of this, like, I don't know, eight months ago, whatever it was, yeah. really had a the new Scooby-Doo movie kind of vibe to it, Matthew, you know, where it's like, hey, let's team up with, you know, the the star celebrity of the week and, and go do some stuff. And those are not my favorite um, Scooby-Doo episodes. So I'm kind of like I, you, Ashley. I wish it was more Mystery Inc. And here's how the gang mm-hmm. formed and and did all their initial, you know, mystery yeah, machine stuff. I mean, I wish they teamed up with Batman because you can. <laughs> it, it really, it really seems like such a waste at a time like this to just not have a movie in which a group of young people discover that the worst possible monster is a selfish adult. <laughs> yes. 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 Anyway. Yeah. You know, if you're going to do a blue Falcon movie, I think that you should pitch it as such too. I mean, yeah, especially I agree. it's like cosmic Hanna-Barbera is just such a lush landscape. Oh yeah. Space yeah, coast, coast to coast and all that good stuff. Yeah, your space ghost, you got your galaxy trio. You can even throw in your impossibles. There's a ton of guys you can work well, with. Also, there. like Space Ghost just, I mean, again, sort of from that macrocosmic view, like Space Ghost in terms of name recognition, like Space Ghost is such a thing. Mm-hmm. So why not start with, anyway. I, I, this WB, really, call if, us next time. We are here for you. <laughs> had this been a just direct to video movie, I would have said it was a backdoor pilot for a Blue Falcon series. Yeah, or a space yeah, yeah. series, as opposed to a Scooby-Doo movie. And it was just using Scooby-Doo as the lure to bring you in, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is a Blue Falcon movie, okay. So, yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. And I'm really surprised, too. Again, maybe this will all change going forward, because we don't know wh- what step in the production uh, Scoob was it was in the works. You have to uh, think that it was going on for a year or so. But uh, with that big success of the Hanna-Barbera DC stuff, Mm -hmm. maybe a little bit more of that should have been in the 
in the piece. Maybe I don't know. we'll finally get that epic Top Cat Wally Gator crossover. Maybe I don't know. I just I I saw it. I wasn't really impressed with the with the trailer, but I'm glad you think that it's uh, at least maybe worth checking out for the beauty side of it. It's definitely going to be one of those that the art book will be a good investment. Ah, okay, all right. I'm still yeah. still disappointed. I could never get my hands on the uh, Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Oh, I got that after like I six know. months. I know. Gorgeous. I know. Ugh. All right. Uh, let's take a look ahead a couple of weeks. Well, not too many spoilers in this one, but the uh, Nail Biter series returns, Rodrigo, in Nail Biter Returns number one. That's right. I have not read the original Nail Biter series. Um, when I started looking through this, I was like, this looks familiar. But when I picked it up, I didn't realize, I figured, uh, you know, Nail Biter Returns. Number one was just like a brand new thing. And then when I started looking through it, I was like, oh, no, no, no. I remember the nail biter stuff, especially the the trades have like a like really hardcore uh, cover art and stuff. Um, so I was like, oh, yeah, now now I know. Now I know what I've gotten myself into. Basically, the fifth volume of a comic is what I'm reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, but fortunately, nail biter returns number one starts you off as a number one issue. It. Uh, tells you about this uh, strange town in Oregon that has a um, unusual number of serial killers that have come out of it. And since it's in Oregon, that has to be a lot, right? Because, like, the Pacific Northwest <laughs> is basically a serial killer city. Oh, um, that's really funny. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, has, it has to be more than 10. Uh, so... Uh, we are introduced to the daughter of one of these serial killers and now new killings are happening. And I mean, there's like more than a dozen of these guys. So who is it? Is it a copycat? Um, could it be her father? Um, it's uh, it kind of leads you down this way. And then there's a reveal at the end that really sets up what is probably one of my most favorite tropes, but I don't want to say what it is because it'll give it away. Um, but I found the the la- the very last panel very satisfying. Um, I, I like this comic a lot as far as the art because it does a lot of kind of like half two page spreads. Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you can if you think of like opening a comic, like the top maybe two thirds of the comic will be like a huge splash panel across two pages. And then there'll be like individual panels along the bottom. It does this uh, multiple times. So uh, between uh, Williamson and and Henderson, you know, like how they're blocking the comic and how they're spacing this out uh, is really good. It gives you this, like, it gives it a very cinematic feel, uh, which is, uh, which, which I definitely appreciate. Art is good. Everything's interesting. Um, I think I had it down at three slices of meatloaf, but I'm gonna bump bump that up to four definitely. Okay. Um, and it 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 makes me it makes me interested to to go back and and read what's come before. Uh, although I don't feel like I need to. This felt like 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 we say that that mystical and rarely seen actual jumping on point. So I'm I'm curious to see where this goes from here. Very good. Thank you for that. And listeners, if you're looking for more reviews, then head over to Majorspoilers.com. That's right. Even though comic books are back, we somehow have been reviewing comics every day 
for the last two and a half months uh, because comics have been around. Comics come in digital form. Comics may even come in pog form if you look hard enough. Uh, but uh, yeah, get over there, read some comics. And if you're so inclined and you want to help us out, on the reviews, you will see little links that say, hey, you can buy this book digitally via Comixology. That's an affiliate link. It means that it uh, doesn't cost you anything. If you'd like to buy the digital version of this comic, you can click on that link, make your purchase or other purchases, but uh, you can make your purchase of that comic. It's not going to cost you anything extra. A little bit comes back our way. And just like the Amazon link at Majorspoilers.com, we're taking that money out of Jeff Bezos's pocket. We're putting it into our own so that we can do more, we can grow, and maybe one day we will be able to announce that we're taking our entire podcast network and moving it over to Spotify exclusively. By the way, you can also hear many of our shows on Spotify, but not exclusive. Anyway, reviews, Majorspoilers.com. Hey, let's talk about the question. The question. Uh, we are going back to, what is this, the 80s, Matthew? I think, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken... If I am not mistaken, this was a series that I remember seeing on the comic book racks when I would go to the comic book store in uh, Topeka uh, with the number one. And I remember picking it up and going, oh, man, this looks pretty violent. Maybe I'm not interested in it, even though I am interested in the question. Uh, but I do remember this uh, you know, series appearing and looking at it, eyeing it, eyeing the cover and being worried about who's this man with no, with no face staring back at me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's good to uh, to get back here and actually read this thing 30 years later. Uh-huh. Zen and Violence, Volume 1 from Denny O'Neill and uh, Denny Cowan, or Dennis Cowan. Dennis Cowan, yeah. And uh, Rick uh, Magyar, I guess, is doing the inks on a lot of these. Uh-huh. Wow, that first page. If that doesn't hit you in the face with a great, here is what this series is about with the uh, with the great question image. I just fell in love with it from the very first page in, in this, just from the art side. Now, the story side we can get into in a little bit later, but the depictions of the question here, I think look really, really good. So here we have the faceless stranger. Uh, maybe his name is Vic Sage. Maybe his name is Victor Zaz, which is really weird because a few years later, and this is the question that I have for you, Matthew, or anybody else who wants to jump in on this. His name is Victor Saz or Zaz in this book. And then a few years later, literally, I think like two or three years later, Batman introduces a villain called Victor Zaz. Uh, the, the only difference is uh, the S and the Z are reversed in that. But essentially, it is the same name. You have any insight on, on this? Well, I know that Victor Zaz, the villain who slices uh, the number of kills in his flesh, was created by Alan Grant. Mm-hmm. Uh, circa 92, so that's about five years after this. Vic Sage, originally in Charlton Comics, was Victor Sage, and uh, Denny O'Neill gave him a little bit more background in claiming that Sage is his stage name because he's a television reporter. Charles Victor, uh, I think it's pronounced Sage. I don't, I don't know. know. I just look at I, I wonder. I wonder if it's not pronounced Sage or something close to that. Yeah. So it's pronounced similar enough to where you yeah, should get yeah it's yeah so, so that's like where Saze, it's like essentially the Saze. same but he had to like change Saze. his name yeah. so what what do you think that is Polish do we have any Polish listeners put it in the comments as yeah. like S Z A Z S right yeah so definitely feels it's vaguely Eastern European in that way. <laughs> 
I just found that those two names just being very similar, because I think someone reading this for the same time would be like, wait, I know the letters are just transposed there, but isn't that the same as the as the the, the cutting guy? And, it is very uh, similar, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's I also think... a good chance that the editors just, like, weren't talking to each other. Could be. Sure. Uh, could be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, even though Batman does make an appearance in here. So... Hmm. <laughs> yeah, but you talk about the Batman editors like they're the same people from year to year. I'm sure uh, all the Batman peoples talk with one another. Yeah, and the thing that's important about this uh, question uh, relaunch vamp boot is it comes right after the Crisis on Infinite Earths, like literally rolls out of Crisis. Mm -hmm. uh, the question had been a character from Charlton Comics with Blue Beetle and Captain Atom. Uh, and made like seven appearances in 1967 and then was literally off the table for 20 years with, you know, nothing happening. And then DC is like, hey, we own this character. We're going to bring him back. We're going to launch him. And nothing that I had read. And at that time I had read, you know, about half of the questions, original adventures. Nothing would prepare you for what you get in this issue. Yeah. Now, I'm curious, too, uh, for everybody here, uh, Rodrigo, will throw it over to you. Uh, are you more interested? You've read Watchmen. Are mm -hmm. you more interested in reading the question, knowing that the um, that Rorschach is essentially the question of the the Watchmen, or is you know the uh, inspired the inspired by? Right. Um, I mean a little bit, honestly. My number one interest in reading the question comes from the Justice League Unlimited. Ah, yeah, question. there you go. Mm -hmm. So that that would be when when I saw that we were gonna do the question, I was like, "All right, I love the question." And this question is quite different mm -hmm. from the JLU question. I I feel like the the JLU question like just took a big like um like a big knife and just like sliced off a couple of things that uh, don't work well in an ensemble cast, and then really amped up some of the other ones. Like, this guy's clearly paranoid, but the JLU question is ten times more paranoid. <laughs> um, this guy is, like, extremely headstrong and, and like, doesn't, doesn't take, like, doesn't pause to think things out for very long, uh, which is kind of an ongoing uh, theme. I feel like the JLU question would have been at the uh, at the tail end of this, right, where he's like careful and and studious and stuff, rather than just rushing in to fight something uh, like we see at the beginning of this. Yeah, yeah, I'm curious, Ashley. You too. Uh, what what were you interested in reading the question? And I'm gonna guess also like Rodrigo from the from the JLU. Uh, the question's fine. No. I don't, I'm not, I'm neither interested nor uninterested. Like the question to me is like, you know, water, like it's fine uh, as a concept. <laughs> um, the only familiarity that I have besides JLU with this character is his appearance kind of with the council of magical dorks at the beginning of books of magic mm -hmm. where they're all worried about mm -hmm. Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. Um, oh and God. he's, he's cool there. Um, is that the question? No, I, I don't think I so. Think, oh, I or thought he was Or is it Doctor? It may be Doctor I, I think Cold. It's, I think it's Phantom Stranger. Phantom well, Stranger, then. Mr. E, and uh, Constantine are in there. Oh, and, it might be Mr. E. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. There's a lot of, like, Fedora and guys, uh, French yeah. code guys, and yeah. Uh, uh, Doctor Occult is in there, who I think yeah. is probably yeah. the one who looks most like the question. Well, yeah. there you go. Um, I think this... I think this collection is a really good collection if you have absolutely 
no knowledge of this character actually. Mm. However, I read this in like two hours and I don't know if that's the best way to ingest this because it's not necessarily um, an overarching narrative. Like this is much more like serious episodic television and i would have liked to and that's just that's the way i read the trades for major spoilers i read them right before we do the show um so i think if if listeners um think that the question is greater than water unlike myself uh if you were to pick this up i would recommend spending a little more time with it because everything here is really really good but it's also very singular in that way and Mm -hmm. if you do like watchmen and i do not Uh, You can see a lot of the influence going both ways, which I actually thought was really interesting from sort of like a, I would never consider myself a comic book historian, but I can't think of a better, like from just sort of like a more scholarly You've been doing, you've been doing geek history lesson for so long. You're a, you're a comic book historian. No. Yeah. It's not going in my Twitter bio. <laughs> Actually, everybody, go go check out this week's Geek, Geek History lesson. Yeah. It was very good. The Adam Strange episode, very good. I had a chance to listen to that today. Please listen to it because Jason had about an infarction editing it because we have <laughs> Tom King, Mitch Garretts, and uh, Doc Shader. So yeah. No, very, very fun. good. Yeah. Uh, so here's, here's I guess, I agree with you, Ashley, that I think reading this in one sitting is maybe a little bit of a letdown because the way this story plays out is very serialized in that... We get introduced to the character. He's coming to this town. He's shaking things up, comes to find out that the mayor is a drunk and there's this corrupt uh, religious person who is controlling him and kind of controlling everything in uh, what city are we in? Uh, Star- Hub, not Star- city. Hub, Hub City. Hub City. That's right. Uh, everything in a Hub City. It's, it's totally not Boston. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And it is just, you know, he's going in and fighting corruption and the uh, the evil religious guy is doing everything in his power to uh, keep that from happening and to do more bad things. And they're tracking down. It, it's kind of it's very much a crime drama a la um, uh, The Wire. You know, this is kind of has that same kind of vibe to it. Yeah. And uh, so I could see reading this in a month to month basis or even a weekly basis would really kind of get you wanting more of this. Um, there are some things that happen in here that, that might set you off, uh, for Matthew, uh, there is child endangerment where a, a child is literally going to be sacrificed to God, um, because of this weird, uh, uh, ministers or religious person's, uh, thoughts on the Bible and the, and the way that, uh, the Bible is supposed to be read and interpreted. Um, but you do see this buildup of characters. This, I think this would make a very interesting Netflix series as presented here even with modern day, you know, you could even put all the modern day stuff in here uh, and it sure. would still work uh, as the way the story is is presented. Uh, I mean, I've never understood why, even not knowing very much about the question, why we don't have a live action adaptation well, of this character, because it's so cool. It's so easy to understand. The look is iconic and you can do it on a fairly low budget. Yeah. Oh, I think you could, too. I think the biggest thing would be the effects where you either are literally putting on a prosthetic to make somebody's face disappear yeah. or using some kind of special effect where you have to track the face being gone throughout the entire series. But uh, they they can do Daredevil, they can do the question. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm curious, Rodrigo, uh, did you get that same kind of vibe as this read better as single issues than, than maybe as a volume and, and you know, the, the serialized crime drama Daredevil Netflix with the Wire HBO series uh, feeling to it? I mean, uh, definitely, um, there's there's nothing 
or, or, or there's nothing here that would prevent this from being a, a Netflix a daredevil type drama or, or just like a, a prestige crime drama. Mm-hmm. Um, so why do you think that we haven't seen a, a, a question series? Well, is it because we of the jail, seen... because of the jail, you do you think? Yeah, we haven't seen a question series for the same reason that we haven't and possibly will never see a Gargoyles movie, right? Is that Disney Marvel and they don't need to continue pushing a Disney boys television stuff. Now they have superheroes and they can just milk that. Mm -hmm. So all the other properties that at one point would have been competing with that are no longer competing with that. When... Basically, DC went through and acquired a bunch of their competitors, and then Warner Brothers acquired DC. Now, those properties are uh, part of the same umbrella and thus out of contention for, you know, basically are internally competing with similar properties to get made. Why make uh, the question where you can just make another Batman? You know, it's like Mm -hmm. the question is close enough to Batman that you don't need to make the question. Um, obviously, reading through stuff and seeing, for example, Batman and the question interact both in this and, again, in the JLU, which I thought was done really well, um, you can see that there are great differences and interesting differences, but the question is not going to be something that they go to uh, anytime soon, right? We have the, the, the weird example of the Marvel Universe where... Yes, Iron Man was like a B-lister as far as the comics. It just wasn't selling as many comics as the X-Men and Spider-Man. So those are the properties that went out. And then when Marvel came up, they were like, well, who do we have? It's like, oh, the Avengers. It's like, well, I guess we'll start doing the Avengers. And that worked out for them. It's like DC doesn't need to do that because all the properties are still in-house and have been in-house for a long time. So there's never any reason to push the question there's never any reason to continue pumping money into Swamp Thing. You know, you're just kind of getting all these things that get in each other's way because they're all they're all coming from the same company. Yeah, which Fans is why really I really do think that uh, that that Swamp Thing show is coming back, though. Oh, yeah, oh, it's well, good. You think well, it's going to get well, a season good. two? You think it'll get a season two? I think the only thing that this means, not to. I, I should have made that I, joke. I was, was no, rude, I was totally, I was totally going to bring it up anyway. So the only right thing it means is that the CW doesn't have any new programming yeah, yeah, for yeah. the fall. No, totally. They not. already are under the same. I actually think it's a brilliant idea. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see them if this continues buying up things like Titans. But a, a lot of people have been asking me about that recently, and I'm like, I hate to kill your 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 darlings with this one, but this is just them trying yeah, to make sure they have new content in the autumn. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and with HBO Max launching soon, exactly. uh, some of that, some of that stuff may be, maybe you know, ready for network television. So, yeah, I, I'm curious, Matthew, because I, I think one of the frustrating things that maybe people going into this book who've never really read any question except maybe what they've what they've interpreted from the Watchmen or what they've seen in JLU is that the question isn't paranoid enough. He's not going down the conspiracy rabbit hole enough. This is a very Almost cut and dried. I, I, I don't. I, I, I guess I see a little paranoia in there, Rodrigo. But this is a fairly cut and dried mystery man story. I mean, there isn't, there isn't even any like real mystery to it. Yeah, there's the no red string at all. Figures out, figures think like already knows what 
stuff to chase down. And then this is mostly what are the consequences of the of the question jumping in too early? Yeah. Yeah. The, the thing about the question is he's always been an edge case. So no matter what era of the question you look at, you're looking at something that is way off the beaten path. And it's important that we look at this and say, okay, sure, there are a thousand grimdark vigilante guys. There are a thousand guys, you know, fighting crime from the shadows. But this is 1987. Mainstream Batman is not yet doing the whole fighting crime from the shadows thing. So in 87, this was a prestige book. Yeah. This was darker. It was more violent. It was more gritty realism. It was more down-to-earth stuff. And it was a game-changer. But the question did it so that other characters could later. Back in 67, when the question started, he was this you know weird objectivist vigilante who wasn't square-jawed and you know smiling two-fisted guy. In the... In the uh, JLU question. He's an example of taking that conspiracy theory stuff and wrapping it all in there. In 2004, we had a question series where he was this weirdo underground urban shaman vigilante guy. And now the we question... have that Jeff Lemire series. Exactly. The question moves around. So what I think you should do is ask yourself, where's the question now? And say, that's where the comic industry is going to be in three or four or five years. Have you been the reading the, is a bellwether. The, have you been reading any of the um, uh, the many deaths of Vic Sage? No. No, uh, they, I... they irritated me when they brought him back as a completely different character and turned him into a weirdo cosmic guy in the New 52. So, Ashley, what about, what about you? Oh, I was going to say that I have read the first issue. I, I don't know if there's more of it out than that, because I don't know what's out anymore, or what is happening, or what time is, <laughs> or who's in the beginning of Books of Magic. Hello, future <laughs> people. We are we are messaging you from the past. We are lost, and we need your help. Patreon.com slash major spoilers. Calling international rescue. Danger, Ashley. So, so how, was, how was the first, how was the, uh, speaking of a show that's on its last legs, uh, how was the first uh, issue of the many deaths of Vic Sage then? Uh, it's pretty solid. I mean, I, I'm all in on uh, Lemire stuff. It's definitely, this, this is the difference between, you know, uh, contemporary comics and what we read for the show today is you read this and you're like, cool, cool, cool. That was neat. It'll make sense in four more issues. Yeah. Like yeah. it's definitely playing a long game. But I think of all the black label stuff, I think it's one of the cooler things I've read recently. Okay. Uh, maybe I'll go pick that up. Uh, yeah. A little bit of spoiler for those of you who uh, are thinking about reading this 35-year-old comic. Uh, the, <laughs> question, the question gets shot in the head and dumped in the river in like the first oh, yeah. or second issue. Fully Left murdered. for dead at the end of issue one. And one of the great things about Denny O'Neill's stories is each one of these issues ends with the end. Right, right. Mm -hmm. I remember reading the question number one and having the character left seemingly dead, bleeding out on the riverbed. And I'm like, oh, well, that was a nice one shot and not expecting more issues and finding when they came out that I was a little bit shocked. Yeah. But I, 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 I think that's a great place to start. You, it, It's that metaphorical character must die in order to rebuild himself as something new. <laughs> Yeah, yes, I agree. If you're doing the metaphor of of through his metaphorical death, he re is reborn as a totally different character. But you just said a little bit ago that people hadn't seen him in 20 years before this or, you know, very, very sparingly. So they may not have had any idea of who the question was before this series starts off. And so I'm not sure that you have enough of a chance to get 
attached to the character. You know, this would have been something like, hey, the question. This is a news. This is how today it would be done. Uh, the question. He dies. And now Renee Montoya is the question in issue two. Uh, that's back how they in... Go All ahead. Right. No, I was going to say, go ahead, Rodrigo. Ba back in those days, you had to do your due diligence. Right? Yeah, I guess. So it's like, um, uh, you're like, okay, well, here's here's this character that you're writing now. I don't like that character. Okay, well, then just do whatever you want with it. But before you could do whatever you wanted with it, you have to go through, kill them, kill all their friends, kill their family, yeah. and then Clear you can the do decks the character that you so that you can do your new take. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You have to go through all of the steps to do it. Nowadays, especially with you know all of the crises and flashpoints and stuff, you get a lot more leeway. It's like, okay, well, we're going to launch a, a new, you know, whatever, a Batgirl comic. Which I Batgirl? mean, yeah, we, we, got, we got Batgirl of Burnside out mm -hmm. of, like, nothing like a reboot. They just, this is what she yeah. does yep. now. Yeah. yeah. So imagine, imagine a young Matthew's surprise when he sees that there is an issue two on the stands. And imagine our surprise when we found out that the person who was supposed to kill him is the one that fishes him out of the river. So we see Shiva, who, again, we saw her most recently in our readings with the uh, the Robin series. Um, and, Cassandra and so, Kane's mummy. Yeah, so we see Shiva show up, which I guess I was a little surprised, especially with the, there's never, in, at least in the six issues, there's never any real reason why she jumped in the river and swam around for an hour looking for his body and then bringing him back to life except that we you got imagine a cool heavy he would be with martial arts on? sequence yeah i mean my god we'll get to the code in a minute but uh <laughs> surprised surprised by shiva matthew no uh this is actually the book that made shiva what shiva is because she had appeared in uh richard dragon who mm -hmm. also is in these pages uh in the 70s and then the dc implosion killed that and no one had seen shiva so I'm like, yeah, it makes perfect sense that she's this weird, almost Zen character who's like, okay, I've killed you. I suppose I can save you just to see what you might become. She actually says something to that effect of, I just, yeah. you know, wanted to see I what you might turn into. I had nothing else better to do. So, you know, it was Thursday. Yeah. Why'd she pull you out of the river? That's actually the question that Vic has to ask himself and try and figure out, you know, why he's not dead. But, you know, we talk about Lady Shiva now from the perspective of she is the greatest martial artist in the DC universe, with the exception of possibly her daughter. She is a, a deadly Batman-level threat. She is this really, really scary character, probably the scariest character in the world, whose first name is Sandra. Hmm. Um, but this is where Shiva became Shiva. So... I'm actually not bothered by the fact that she doesn't give an answer and they pointedly make it clear that she's not going to give an answer. I really sort of like that because it kind of ties into that, the Zen philosophy of you're not going to understand everything. And some things you just have to accept. This is what they are. You won't know why. And if you spend time worrying about it, it's just going to make you very, very sad. If anyone is uh, not on the up and up with their DC superhero girls, she's really cute in that series. They which put, is a she's a she's a master assassin and she's in the kitty cartoon. Oh, all oh the, yeah, she, oh, they all, all of them. All, all, yeah, all and of they're them all are. friends. Like it is, is Cheshire so, in it? Please yes. tell me Cheshire yes. is. She it? is. Jude, Jude Moon is like the horticulture teacher. Yeah. No, if you haven't if you haven't read this series or or watched the cartoons or anything, Matthew, it I, is a it is a trip and a half. I've seen a few. The sad Rod part is, is the I principal. Loved, 
<laughs> I love super best friends. So sometimes I get super best friends tied up in DC superhero girls and I know they're mm -hmm. different. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely go check out that series. It, it is a trip. Uh, also get all the little Lego uh, sets that they made out of them. So, yeah. Okay. Here's my, if I have, I mean, I have complaints, but my major complaint in this mm -hmm. is, uh, man, I'm going to use this smoke, these chemicals to really change my look. Yes. I'm going to adhere this, this mask onto my face and I'm still going to keep my blonde hair, but I'm going to make sure that my coat goes from a light blue color to another blue color and no one's going to know it's me. Be like the question, adhere your mask to your face. <laughs> Remember, kids, PSA time. Uh, the, the, this is the problem. Part of it is the fact that we're dealing with 1987 flexographic printing, and there aren't that many shades of blue to go with. But I do sort of agree with you, because in the original you know, comics, and I don't think we'd want to see it here, uh, Vic's question attire is like this powder blue thing with a bright orange tie mm -hmm. and a bright orange hat band. And it looks really good when drawn by Steve Ditko and colored by, you know, mm -hmm. whoever's at Charlton in 1967. But it doesn't translate. We so, saw a little yeah. bit of it in Blue Beetle. Here, here's the thing. Translate. Yeah, no, here's the thing. I don't mind the blue jacket and, or, you know, the blue coat, the blue hat, the orange shirt with the whatever tie that he's wearing. I don't mind that look for the question. I think it works fine. Problem is, you're going from a, a normie costume that almost looks exactly like the hero costume. And so there's not much of a dissonance between the two to where you can say, okay, if he's standing in the shadows, is he the question or is he Vic Sage? Now, I mean, Adam years, Eve few, doesn't even wear a mask. Right, true. Now, a few years later, <laughs> well, we had this, this fantastic yeah. animated series, Batman the Animated Series, and Batman wears, you know, the blue and the black. That is Batman. But Bruce Wayne wears brown, wears a yeah. brown suit and a yellow shirt. Uh, not that co great combination, but... It is enough of a color difference that when you see Bruce Wayne wearing brown and yellow, you're like, ah, he's Bruce Wayne. And then when you're seeing him from a color scheme perspective, blue and black, ah, he's Batman. The question needs that here. Had he been wearing like a normal brown trench coat and then he presses that button on his buckle mm. and then it turns into yeah. a blue trench coat, then suddenly you're like, aha, transformation time, baby. He needs a lesson in color theory. He does. But he, yeah, he doesn't I, have I, eyes, so maybe that doesn't matter here. And, and I think that's I think that's the issue with with his costume is that if you're if you're gonna do a superhero a vigilante comic the first thing that you're gonna design is what does your vigilante look like in their vigilante form right 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 so no face blue trench coat orange shirt blue tie right very cool sure um, and then it's like okay well what does his civilian look look like and it's like okay well what are the opposites to that is like does he need to wear like a green, uh, like <laughs> like a green coat with like a purple shirt and a green tie? We already have a guy that does that. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> hyper color blue. No. Yeah, when you yeah, it's like either he has to dress dress in like beige, but mm -hmm. he's blonde, so that's gonna mm -hmm. look weird. Um, so I, I think that was the issue is they designed the question and they're they're like, okay, well, what's his almost as cool or equally cool alter ego going to look like and they're like well we still want him to look good so he still kind of needs to wear a comics black coat which is a blue coat 
and um, you know, basically the same. At, he, the whole point is that his attire just changes color, so we can't change the design of it. Uh, so I think they just kind of wrote and drew themselves into a corner as yeah. far as what's the difference between Vic Sage and the question. It's actually not that big of a difference. It's yeah. like uh, your kind of like cowboy vigilante comics, right? Where it's like, oh, it's time for the Lone Ranger to fight some bad guys. Okay, well, let me give my domino mask on. All right, I'm a different person now. Well, so Yeah, because me. just to be that person about color theory again, the opposite colors would be what either red and green or red yeah. and purple yeah but I, I think not not as cool <laughs> yeah i mean even if you don't go the opposite even if it was just you know white shirt brown jacket right. that would have been mm-hmm. very much in line with everyone else that's wandering around in the city yeah. if i'm not mistaken the... wasn't at one point didn't vic sage's hair color change matthew i don't know if that was a a comic book thing where at one point he had blonde hair when he was vic sage but then it turns black from the chemical Mm, I know his hair did change color, but I thought it was the other way around. I thought Maybe that's Vic what had it was. dark hair. Maybe that's what it was. And the question had lighter hair. Yeah. See, the the problem is if you have a guy like guys in brown trench coats in the eighties are schlubs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Columbo. in the nineties like, they're yeah exactly they're trench coat when, mafia. It's it's yeah, bad. <laughs> when, when you when you have a guy with messy hair and a brown trench coat, he's Columbo. Like who wears who wears trench coats and brown trench coats in the eighties? Like this guy, Harvey Bullock, um, like Constantine. And, yeah, and a, and a handful <laughs> of guys. And what what that brown trench coat tells you is, I don't have my stuff together, which is right. fine for those guys. You know, it's like you don't want John Constantine to have his stuff together. That's not as much fun. Well, I guess the bottom line is, I mean, we can talk about color theory and, and codes. There's yeah. not enough of a of a transformation that happens. I agree. When he goes into the phone booth and steps out as Superman, right? Uh, okay. So there needed to be something there to make me sit in wonder and go, "Wow, Tot really knows what the heck he is doing when he created all this stuff to make everything change and make him feel like somebody who is not, uh, you know, Ace Reporter, uh, Vic Sage, but." the mysterious and menacing the question. And I, well, I, the question is two whole shades darker, I think. Yeah, and, and that's, that's the problem that I had with, with, to the, be with the fair, art. To be fair. It's, it, to be fair, it's, a, uh, it's, it's literally a plot point that the question is really bad at keeping his secret yes. identity secret. <laughs> yes. I know, like, like the CW-verse could use some of that self-awareness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that you don't just don't take off your mask and say, I'm the Flash. I mean, I'm really Barry Allen. Uh, yeah. I know you're the villain of the week and I'm about to kill you, but not really kill you. You're Martin Starn's wife. We've yeah. never heard your actual name. <laughs> I brought your pizza. I'm Barry Allen. Also known as the Flash. So what is everybody's <laughs> what is everybody's general impression uh, of this of this series? Matthew, did you did you enjoy this series or, or not? Is this something I'm... you would recommend to people? I like it, but it is so very 80s. Um you know, uh, the cynical part of me thinks of this as uh, Batman The Dark Knight Returns done better because I feel like it doesn't overload the gritty down-to-earth street-level blah blah blue with things that push it too far over into parody or make it clear that the balance of the story wasn't entirely right. But, you know, there's a character in here, uh, the, the one Hispanic character, 
Oh yeah. Has has the very very thick and you know overly exaggerated accent that you would get from, you know, an '80s character where they're trying to make it clear to you that this character is you know Puerto Rican or Mexican or, you know, someone who has an accent when they speak. So it's very phonetic. I feel like mm-hmm. the portrayal of Myra, who uh, is I think he's the mayor. She's the mayor's wife. Yeah. yeah. And the I whole mean, thing where Myra I mean... is. Yeah, she's secretly running the city, and the book is almost incredulous about what a girl, you know. And there's there's moments in here where I'm just like, man, Denny O'Neill is a really good writer, and Dennis Cowan is an incredible artist, and that moment still didn't land for me. But yeah, I like it. I like it more than I don't like it. And I feel like of things that came out in '87 that I remember reading in '87 and going. Ooh. It has aged much better than some. Yeah. Uh, Rodrigo, what are your thoughts? Um, I, there's a lot of individual things about this that I like. Uh, obviously, I think the questions hold shtick, especially the way that he transforms into the question is very good, very good, very cool. Um, I think that um, in a world where everybody is cribbing Rachel Ghoul's motivation for doing things, having a villain who's deal is that he wants to plunge the world into chaos so that the rapture can happen is like similar is like in a similar vein but different enough to be interesting and of course that guy gets killed by the end of this and i i feel that all of these issues unfortunately are like the kind of mildly boring stuff we have to get through to get to the book that the writer actually wants to write um, and and that just kept coming across as like training sequences and you know dreams and reintroducing characters that were introduced in the first issue and how they have changed. It's like I, I feel like we just want to get through this so that we can get all these relationships out of the way and actually start then evolving those relationships that have been reset up. I, I, I guess I would be interested to maybe read a volume two of this. Uh, mm-hmm. To see what happens next. Uh, I don't remember how many issues this ran. I want to say at 36. least. Did it run 36? Okay. Because uh, mm-hmm. I remember it on the shelf for a couple of years. Um, I guess for me, I enjoyed this enough. Like I said, if you are someone that likes The Wire, if you're someone that is into, you know, that kind of crime drama, uh, I think that you'll enjoy this. It does have a lot of the trappings of the 80s, right? Uh, bad stereotypes, uh, one damsel in distress, uh, crazy r- religious uh, evangelicals, et cetera, et cetera, uh, mm-hmm. you know, doing doing their crazy things. So you've got that going on. Um, I guess the it, it's a fine book. It's a fine book. If you're if you're looking for something with the question, I think the art is, is fine. Uh, the writing has some problems, I think. Uh, the overall structure, I think, has a, a few problems. But overall, it's it's not a bad book. And I would probably recommend it. Uh, let's see. We have dropped off one Ashley Robinson here. Let's see if we can get her back in. Oops. Put an M there to mark that. Nope. Uh, somehow we have offended Ashley, and she is no longer part of the show this week. But I'm sure she That's has... how she saved Putin. I'm sure she has some thoughts on the question, and I'm sure we will get to those at some point. But in the meantime... If you do have thoughts, if you do have reactions, if you do have questions, you can head over to our Discord server and you can uh, share your thoughts there. Like I said, so many awesome people over there hanging out every day. Uh, If you're a patron at patreon.com slash major spoilers, then uh, most certainly be sure to check out the 
um, uh, the connection that you can make between your Patreon and your Discord so you can get access to those different kinds of things. And, we, and I know I mentioned Patreon.com slash Major Spoilers uh, occasionally during the show and just say, hey, go check out more over there. But there really is a lot more, Matthew, over there yeah. at the Patreon uh, site. Absolutely. You get access to exclusive content. Of course, if you're a fan of this show right here, there's literally another quarter oh, or like so. 20, 20 minutes, 20, 25 20 minutes. Of this show that you didn't get to hear, but if you're a patron you have access to, you get an exclusive podcast, uh, at least one, possibly more. You get access to terrible, terrible comics that people force me to review because they're mean and terrible and evil. You get a whole bunch of extra content for you, and all it's going to cost you is a couple of bucks. I think the $5... Yeah, the silver, the, the silver, like, level, the silver, silver sil level, silver level gets you so much. It gets you access to our um, um, Shadow of the Demon Lord RPG, gets you access to the pre-show flashback whenever Flash is on. Uh, it gets you uh, dueling review, uh, live stream. It gets you, man, there's so much that you get at that silver level. Uh, Every so month I would... we have a live stream where major spoilers people come together and talk to you, answer your questions, hang out with you on the yep. interwebs. That is coming up this weekend, Saturday, the whatever the that is, the 20th? No, <laughs> 22nd, something or like that. 20-something. First, second. Yeah, so it's this Saturday, this coming Saturday, depending on when day. you're listening. Go check. Uh, the other thing with your Patreon subscription, uh, you get access to the major spoilers calendar so you can see what we have uh, coming up, you get access at the silver level. You get access to the GM roundtable, Rodrigo, which is a lot of fun. Yes. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. No more to be said. <laughs> you can find it all over at Majorspoilers.com. Ashley did send me a message. Uh, let me let me read it. I think she said something about Skype uh, suddenly crapped out on her. Yep. Yep. So she said, going to restart, but you'll probably be done by the time I'm back which is true. So we miss you. Miss you so much. Don't leave me alone with Matthew <laughs> ever again. Oh. And send. Like we don't do five shows together. Ah. <laughs> we do a lot Two of, of shows. Two of which are just us. We do a lot of shows. Oh, including the Legion Clubhouse. Going to a new episode this week. Ooh. Ooh, a good one. Everybody enjoyed our Tyrock discussion uh, from a couple of weeks ago. So, hey, good. that's where we're going to wrap it up this week. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of the Major Spoilers experience. Go check us out over at Majorspoilers.com. Drop us an email at podcast at Majorspoilers.com. As we mentioned, go check out the uh, Patreon.com slash Majorspoilers, and we will be back next week because we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we will talk with you soon. Stop talking about comic books or I'll kill you. This podcast is copyright 2020 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.